to another uh, week of the Bandroom Podcast Live. Uh, and today I am beyond excited, thrilled, any other word that is like that, to welcome clarinetist, educator, social media influencer, and founder of the virtual concert band coming all the way to us from Australia, Miss Laura Campbell. So welcome, Laura. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And I must say, um, good morning to you. It was very trippy for me to think I'm sending you this Zoom thing for the 26th year, but it's actually the 27th where you are the future. Yeah, and I'm probably you probably get sick of hearing that, but anyway, uh, but there, <laughs> there's just so many directions that we can go to start talking to you. But I'm going to ask everyone's favorite, possibly least favorite question. Would you mind telling us just a little bit about yourself? Yeah, this is definitely a very hard question. <laughs> <laughs> I am a clarinetist from Melbourne. I'm technically a clarinet specialist, but I'm also a woodwind doubler. So I play saxophone and flute. And just recently I've started picking up the bassoon as well. So I'm a woodwind teacher. I teach across lots of schools in Melbourne. I also teach privately and online. I run my Instagram, Laura Clarinetist, which has 30,000 followers. And just recently, I founded the Virtual Concert Band about six months ago. Great. Yeah, and, and if anyone needs proof, you can see the Standard of Excellence book in the background right there. So she's practicing, inspiring us all. <laughs> uh, wonderful. And um, I was wondering if you could just maybe expand on this a little bit and, and tell us maybe some about of your musical inspirations growing up. My musical inspirations. Mm. When I first started the clarinet, I started when I was in seventh grade, which is the start of high school in Australia. I didn't really have like a clarinet specialist like that I looked up to. Mm. I was just inspired by the sound of music and by concert band music specifically. The reason why I chose the clarinet is because I heard our school band play and they played Wallace and Gromit and <laughs> Bob, and I was like, this is so cool. I want to be able to play that. And I thought, well, the clarinet has all of the melodies. It looks like it's really easy to carry everywhere. I'm going to learn the clarinet. And so, you know, for my first four years in high school, I didn't really have anyone that I looked up to as a musical inspiration, but I was more just inspired about being a part of something when I played in the school band, just the sound of how my clarinet was contributing to the whole ensemble and hearing all the different sounds of the other instruments around me. And that really inspired me to keep on going and is why I decided that music is something that I wanted to do for my whole life. You know, I'd get home from school and instead of wanting to do homework, I would pull up a recording of a piece on YouTube and I'd put in my headphones and I'd play my clarinet part just to feel like I was you know, playing as part of a band while I was at home. So I was more inspired by just the sound of concert bands. And then when I got to my later years in high school, my clarinet teacher, he inspired me a lot. His name was Paul Jenkins and he was a woodwind doubler. And I just found it absolutely amazing that you could play more than one woodwind instrument <laughs> and how you could play in musical theatre pits. He took me to a musical theatre pit. I think the first one I sat in on was Little Shop of Horrors. And just watching him just change from like piccolo to baritone saxophone. I thought that was so cool. And so I was like, yep, yeah, I want to pick up all these different woodwind instruments as well. Um, and he was a teacher, so I wanted to be a teacher. Um, cool. And yeah. Great. Yeah, well, there's lots of stuff. And um, it's, it's so cool to hear you talk about 
we'll talk about this more later, but it's so here so cool to hear you talk about community and how that was such a big and important thing to you, even as a, as a young student and, and how it's basically just kind of evolved for you and you're bringing so many people together now, which is um, an awesome thing. Um, and you kind of talked about this, but I know before the social media thing kind of blew up, you, you started as, uh, as a teacher and, and you still do do quite a bit of teaching. So I was wondering if, if you could talk about, um, like why you love teaching so much? Yeah. Um, well, during high school, I had three different clarinet teachers. I had each teacher for about two years and I loved all of them, but my last teacher really inspired me just because he didn't just teach. He was also a performer at the same time. Mm-hmm. And none of the previous teachers really had that. And so, you know, he'd take me along to orchestra gigs and um, like do woodwind doubling and stuff. And I found that so inspirational. And the way that he taught wasn't just, here's how to hold a clarinet and here's how to, you know, make this in tune and here's how to phrase. He would bring in um, little examples from life, like say, oh, imagine that your air is like a garden hose and you're, you know, directing the air. That's true. Um, but also, like, he, he wasn't just a teacher. He was more like a mentor as well. And so we talk about, you know, like what you want to do in the future, but also like, I don't know, your mindset when you're practicing and how you can beat yourself up and motivation. And I just thought that's something that I want to be able to do for my future students. I don't want to just be their teacher. I want to inspire them and help them with any with anything in life, you know, not just teach them. And I also want to be an example that you don't just teach. Like I do what I teach, if that makes sense. I'm also myself and I'm also still performing I'm not just telling my students to practice I practice too and so I want to, so that's why I got into teaching so I studied a um, clarinet performance at a teaching degree at Monash University in Melbourne and I'm now I'm only in my fourth year of teaching but I love it beautiful um, I wanted to ask you are most of your students in Melbourne are you teaching are. them kind of face-to-face most of them are in Melbourne, so I'm currently at two different schools in Melbourne. Um, at the moment, Melbourne's actually been in a very hard lockdown since March, so they've basically all been online since March. Um, and then I've had a couple Zoom students. I've had a couple of students from over in the US who've had lessons like at two o'clock in the morning with me. <laughs> uh, I have Let's a student see. that teach weekly who's up in Queensland. I have another student who's um, still in Melbourne, but a couple of hours away from me. So I don't just teach locally. I'm teaching, you know, online, all over the place. People want one lesson. Some people right. have lessons, but yeah. Yeah, no, I was, I was wondering with the advent of, of Zoom, if, if you've just like, if things have totally blown up and everyone's like, I want a lesson with Laura Campbell. <laughs> yeah, I suppose I've, I've had a few inquiries like that. Um, you know, I've, obviously become a lot more busy this year so I haven't had enough time to fit in all of the extra private students that I'd like but I've definitely had interest from over in the US and outside of Australia. Wonderful and uh, one one of one of the things one of your titles that I've been yelling about all week on social media is that you're a social media influencer with with over 30,000 followers on Instagram which is very exciting and I was I was wondering if you could just speak a little bit uh, about how that began for you and kind of how does it help you as a freelancer as a performer and and those kind of things or maybe how does it fit into your career yeah, definitely 
I so I started on Instagram and Instagram is kind of where I'm most well known but during high school and even the very start of uni I did not know how Instagram worked I wasn't on Instagram I was just posting like some random pictures of food and then I was one day and there's this girl named Katie Flute so she's a flute player who went to Juilliard and she was posting the most stunning photos of these flutes like gold flutes with engraved lip plates and super beautiful keys and then posting videos of her performing and I went wow this is so beautiful I could just scroll for hours looking at these beautiful flutes but there's no clarinet players like that on Instagram no one <laughs> posting photos of clarinets or videos of clarinets and I'm a clarinet player like why is no one doing that so I started posting on Instagram at the end of 2016 it just started I just posted a random photo of my clarinet and then like my clarinet with some sheet music behind it and I would try and get creative with photos I'd like put in some flowers and things like that and then one day I was practicing how to do a glissando on the clarinet and I finally figured it out. And as a clarinet player, when you learn how to do a glissando, you're just like, oh my gosh, I'm amazing. I need to share this with the world. <laughs> I recorded myself playing Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue and I posted it on Instagram and it went crazy compared to all of my other photos that I'd posted before. So many people were commenting on it going, oh my gosh, how do you do this? You're amazing and liking it. And so I started posting more videos. I learned how to make multi-track videos. I started off using the Acapella app. Yep. I'm sure most people listening know what the Acapella app is, but I'd record myself, you know, playing duets, trios and quartets with myself. And they also were so popular. And so my, my followers just started growing and growing and growing. And I was like, whoa, like, I didn't, I didn't really ask to be a social media influencer or to get more followers, but it, I was just posting myself, you know, playing and photos of my clarinet and I started getting all these followers and I was like, okay, <laughs> cool. like I'll go with it, you know? And so it just kept on growing. And so now we're up to about 30,000 followers and it's led to some super, super cool opportunities. I've worked with some awesome brands um, like Bakun, they're a clarinet maker um, and like Soundbrenner. In Canada too. They are Canadian, exactly <laughs> So it's been super cool. And like, I've gotten to work with musicians from all over the world. We have a little Instagram orchestra called the Global Insta Orchestra that I'm the clarinetist of, which is cool. I've done a collaboration with Karada Giuffredi, who's a massive clarinet player. So it's led to some awesome opportunities. Um, but also it's definitely really shaped my career as well. Now, my, the virtual concert band that I've, started that wouldn't have happened if i didn't start my laura clarinetist page back in 2016. Right. people now they know who i am i've had people from melbourne say oh my gosh laura like i'm in melbourne too can we catch up for coffee i'd love to talk to you about the clarinet and just people from all over the world saying oh my gosh i was teaching my students today and they were talking about how one of your videos inspired them I'm like oh my gosh people from all over the world know who i am and they're watching my videos and it's absolutely crazy to me <laughs> but without me starting that laura clarinetist page i definitely wouldn't be where i am today and you know now i'm delving more and more into social media and tiktok mm -hmm. tiktok so all these different things and it wouldn't have happened if I didn't start my Instagram page. Yeah. Uh, not only the, the, the very cool collaborations that you've done, but um, 
even as a trumpet player, for me, it's just, you're such a wonderful, positive energy in the world. And, and seeing your, your, your Instagram post or whatever it is, if it's on Facebook or TikTok, is it brings me joy as well. Um, and, and that's the, the main thing. So, so thank you for all of, all of what you do on those various platforms. It's very exciting. And that really brings us nicely into this newish project, uh, your virtual concert band. And uh, I was wondering if you could maybe just tell us a, a little bit about the, the, the Virtual Concert Band project and how it started and how many like, countries are involved and all that fun stuff. So with my Laura Clarinetters page, I figured out how to make multi-track videos without using the Acapella app. So I, I figured that out maybe two years ago. So I got really into audio editing and video editing. And it was a lot of just learning how to do these things by myself, learning how to balance things and how to add reverb and then how to sync the video together and then how to get, for example, <laughs> to important how to get four videos on one screen at the same time and to be matched up perfectly in boxes. And so I learned how to do all of that. And then when the pandemic hit, I saw so many other musicians on Instagram and YouTube creating these collaboration videos. But there were a lot of videos going around and everyone that was collaborating was already well-known or they were already professional musicians. And I went, well, what about all these musicians who have been hit by the pandemic and they're no longer able to rehearse with their ensemble? They might not be allowed to go to school at the moment, so they're missing out on rehearsals. They're the people that really need to be doing these collaborations and there's nothing out there for them. But I was like, well, maybe I could do it. I don't know. So I literally formed the virtual concert band on the last day of in-person school in Melbourne before we went into our hard lockdown. Right. I woke up that morning um, and I went into school and I just had the idea. I said, I should start an ensemble and anyone can join and I'll just edit it all together and I'll see what happens. And so that afternoon, I feel myself saying, hi, guys, I have this idea. This is what we're going to do. We're going to be performing Song Without Words. And here's the sheet music. Record your part and just email it to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I just started it without even thinking about it. And that went really well. I think we had over 200 musicians in that project. I don't know the exact number of countries. I don't remember. Right. It's always been around about 20-ish countries. Wow. The musicians are actually from the US, which is quite funny. I'm like, wow, I'm Australian. Where are all my fellow Australian musicians? <laughs> um, but yeah, that went really, really well. And I went, well, it's a lot of work doing what I'm doing, but this could turn into a job for me because with the editing, it really is like a full-time job. I'm constantly sitting in front of my computer. I live at this desk that I'm currently sitting at and it's so much editing. And so I launched another project and another and more people from more countries just started getting involved and saying that this is absolutely fantastic. You know, their band haven't been able to rehearse. They haven't had any performances since March. Mm -hmm. And this is the outlet. It's a way for them to learn a new piece of repertoire. Maybe they haven't played it before. Maybe they have. Um, and then, you know, we stream the live performance at the end and it's like we're watching a concert together. And it's ended up becoming this really special community of musicians. We now have this um, Facebook group that everyone's in. And so they all ask each other questions. And we go, hey, guys, I play tuba. What mouthpiece are you guys using? <laughs> or 
what microphones are you using? Or how do I play this run in bar 43? So we have this little community. So it's almost like we have all of our band members kind of collaborating with each other or like a little family now. So it's just kind of taken off into something that I never expected it would. And so much has happened since I formed it. Six We've created merch, we've gotten bigger and bigger, we've started doing workshops with people like Kate Nishimura. It's just fantastic. And because, you know, at the beginning of all of this, like you said, there's so many, well, even here in Canada, everything was like, it was a complete shutdown. So like my wind ensemble stopped, community ensembles stopped. And uh, I saw a number of kind of similar videos to what you were doing being posted. um, but then when I saw yours being posted, it was just, it's such an answer for, for many people, uh, including I, like even this past week, I told my students, I'm like, if you guys are bored, cause I'm, I'm doing face to face with smaller ensembles. Um, but I'm like, if you guys are bored, there's a super cool thing out there waiting for you. So I, I told them about it and certainly, um, especially for community musicians and I'm talking to all my people here in Canada, cause I know a lot of you go do this virtual concert band. It's a, it's a really cool project. And like Laura said, um, I've, I've seen the community and, and how, uh, how just happy they are to be part of this, um, is, is really uh, brings pleasure to me as well. Just to see, I'm wondering how, how long does it take you to edit one of those suckers? Um, I suppose it'd be easier if I just kind of run you through the process. (laughs) Okay. So I come up with the idea of what piece we're going to do. Um, and then I need to source the sheet music, figure out if there's any licensing, emailing the composers of the piece. I need to figure out if anyone's going to be doing a workshop with us. And then so once I've decided on the piece, then I need to, I create like a little guide. It's kind of like a little handbook on virtual concert band. So it has how to record some tips on like microphone placement, camera placement, a little bit about virtual concert band. I scan all of the music and I make them all into little booklets. And then I need to set up the website. So I set up our website. I upload all of the music that needs to be uploaded. I create a click track for the piece. So for example, yesterday I was creating the click track for our next piece that we're about to do. Um, and that took all day to create the click track. <sighs> yeah. uh, I then need to create a conducting video. We only started having conducting videos for the past few projects, but um, the people have just found just having a visual mm-hmm. actually conducting especially when there's you know lots of tempo changes has been really useful so I create the conducting track as well I upload that into Google Drive so all the musicians have access to that and then comes the launch day which is always so nerve-wracking for me I get so <laughs> nervous on launch day I'm like oh my gosh what if only 10 people join and like and it never happens but it's so nerve-wracking for me and then I do a lot of administration work so um the way the, the music currently works is they secure their part and then they get sent an email that has a link to the music, but the link expires within 24 hours. So I get a lot of musicians saying, hey, I didn't click the link. Can you please resend the music? So I'm doing a lot of administration. I need to make a list of all of the musicians in an Excel document um, with all their emails. Oh, and- I'm getting overwhelmed. I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I need to list um, like their email address, what country they're from, what part they're playing. Um, I tick them off once they've submitted. I tick them off once I've sent them a confirmation email. So it's a lot of administration work as well. Mm -hmm. 
then once everyone is submitted, then I need to download all of the videos. A lot of the time, you know, I'm dealing with over 300 files and each file can be one gigabyte or more. So it's a lot of, a lot of space on my computer that, that takes up, but I download all of these files and then I edit the audio. So I edit each instrument group separately. So for example, I might, I might start with the tubers. So if we have 10 tubers, I put all of the tubers into one project. So I edit in Logic Pro. So I put all of the tubers into one project. I line up their claps to make sure they're all in time with the click track. And then I balance them. I might fix up any intonation issues or if someone has a better tone, I might turn them up a little bit more. Um, and then I put those final product projects into one bigger project that has each instrument. And then I balance that and I deal with dynamics and if I need to add any reverb and I make it sound pretty, which usually takes a couple of days. Um, doing like adding each person in and editing their audio, that takes usually around a week of full-time work. Mm. And then after that, I get into the video. The video is really, really tiring. Um, so I have to kind of plan out what the video is going to look like at the end, what the final product's going to look like. So I say, okay, at the start, I'm going to show all of the flute players. And then at bar 10, I'm going to show all of the clarinet ones. So then I get to work kind of making each of those different screens that we're going to be showing. So I drag each little video into a little box and then I export that. And then so I might end up having 20 different videos. I'll have a clarinet one video, an oboe video. And then I'll create the final video where I create the transitions. And, you know, I might get some videos that are moving across the screen and things that are zooming out. So I add any special effects. And then I export that, upload it to YouTube, do a bit of promotion, say, woo, it's released in two days, everyone go watch. And then we get started on the next one. Oh my gosh, the circle of life. Yes. <laughs> and I bet you, I bet you Eric Whitaker isn't doing all that stuff, guys. Hey everybody, Dylan Maddox here to talk to you about something that is crucially important in today's world, merchandise. Of all the things happening now in the world, nothing is more important than some sweet merch. So be the coolest kid or teacher at school with your very own Bandroom Podcast clothing. Show that you are a true bandy, loud and proud, with a BRP t-shirt, long sleeve shirt, or maybe a pullover hoodie, or as our friends in Saskatchewan call them, bunny hugs. Maybe that's not enough. Maybe... You want to start your day off with the Bandroom Podcast. Drinking from your BRP coffee mug. Mmm. Makes that coffee and tea taste even better. You can rest easy knowing that all funds go directly back to helping support the podcast with hosting costs and investments into new equipment so that we can continue to bring you great content and great people. Check out all the merch at bandroompod.com slash store. Don't miss your chance to support BRP by purchasing some cool merch. No, I yeah, <laughs> be like Eric Whitaker and just hire a video editor and an audio editor. <laughs> yeah. Well, I must say out of any of any of the these ensemble 
online ensemble things I've seen, yours sound just so good. Like I, I remember whenever I first, because I, I guess I was introduced to you through um, through Kate, and 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 uh, and seeing just that that project coming out and, and all that stuff. Um, but I, as soon as I clicked on the the Instagram page, I was like, I'm gonna push play and hear it, and I bet you everything's gonna be out of tune. But it's so beautifully in tune. All of your musicians, who many are listening right now, are just it's a beautiful players, and it, and there's such a blend thanks to your master mastering and and their playing as well. But um, it's it's really a treat to listen to. So I, I really encourage anyone who has not checked out the virtual concert band performances yet, um, please go check them out. They're on YouTube, and we'll have all the links for you. Um, so please go listen to it. It sounds great. And the other thing I really want to point out about Laura's work here with the virtual concert band is so many of these projects are done and, you know, might be by someone like me who uh, does not have that much ability, but it's a lot of just square boxes that you're looking at. But um, what I find with your projects is there's so much creativity within the video, like the autumn vi or not the autumn, the October video uh, with the leaves falling. And it was, it's so nice to not only be artistic with your music, but also with the visual. So it's great. Because there's so many multi-track videos mm -hmm. out there. It gets a little bit boring sometimes, just staring at lots of boxes and you want something interesting to look at. So I suppose when I came up with the idea to put those floating leaves when we did October, I was like, I have an idea. I don't know if I can do it. I'll, I need to Google it to see actually how <laughs> I And I figured it out. And then once I figured it out, each leaf, I think I created about 50 different leaves, but each leaf, was one gigabyte of storage or maybe even bigger. I don't know, actually I think oh, it was wow. like, I think it was like 10 gigabytes of storage. My storage on my computer was full and I was closing <laughs> things and moving things over to my hard drive so I could fit all of these leaves in there. Um, and it's quite funny, you know, obviously now I get asked to edit videos for people say, hey, like I want to do this video with my school. We have 30 people. Can you create a video? I love the leaves you did in October. Would you ever do that? With <laughs> never again. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I don't never want to do those leaves ever again. But Or snowflakes I'm or rain or anything like that. No, like I'm always <laughs> looking for anything to do, but that was a lot of work. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's great. And I see these are the things that I, I would have never known about if I had not asked. There's I didn't know realize a leaf took so much space, but it does. Um, uh, one thing I did want to ask you about this project is how do you go about choosing the music? Uh, is it 100% you or is there a participant uh, input? At the start, it was 100% me. I had no clue how to even go about gaining licensing. If you have to pay for licensing, if I buy sheet music, how many copies do I need to buy? It, the whole thing was just overwhelming. And so at the start, we just did projects with music from IMSLP. There was public domain. I was like, there's no issues. And so I picked pieces from there. Um, and then I picked October because I've just always loved Eric Whitaker. Eric mm -hmm. Whitaker has been one of those composers that I just grew up listening to and has always been so inspired by. So I picked October because it was absolutely gorgeous. And I was like, look, if I'm going to be doing over a month worth of full-time editing, I want it to be a piece that I like. So I picked <laughs> October. And then I kind of put it out to our community and I said, what pieces would you like to do? And I get so many different recommendations. It's so hard to choose which one, but I'll try yeah. and listen to all of the suggestions. And I had quite a few people suggesting Shenandoah by Frank DiCali. So I had to listen to that and went, wow, that's absolutely beautiful. Let's do that. 
And then with the Kate Nishimura with the Lake Superior project, that one was actually quite interesting. I put the question out again. I said, what pieces would you like us to play? Um, and one person just said it would be fantastic to have a piece by a female composer or like a person of colour. And then when I like I hadn't even thought about that. I haven't even mm -hmm. thought where to try and do that. But I was like, I really should be making a conscious effort to make sure that we're including all these different composers. And it's really tricky because a lot of the time when I do ask what pieces we should play or what composers, I get a lot of Granger, Mackie, Holst. They're <laughs> all males. And it's all same. And we need to do something different. And mm -hmm. I remember a couple of people had posted about Kate Nishimura and about how inspirational she was and how beautiful her music was. And I went, well, I haven't heard of Kate before, but I want to look into her and listen to some of her music. And so I listened to Chasing Sunlight and I fell in love with it. I was like, this is absolutely stunning. Like, yes, we found our composer. So I emailed <laughs> and I was like, do you have any suggestions for any of the pieces that we should do? And she gave me a list of suggestions and then we chose like Superior Sleep. So that one was definitely a lot of input from others. Um, and then our next project, so the Polar Express, I kind of, <laughs> I kind of just chose that myself. I went, well, by the time our next project is out, it's going to be a week or two before Christmas. So right. well, I'll do a Christmas project. So I was just researching all these different Christmas pieces and I came across the Polar Express and I fell in love with it. I almost cried when I heard it. I was like, it takes me back to my childhood and the chords are absolutely beautiful. It's a lot more technically challenging than the other pieces that we've done previously. Mm -hmm. It's a great piece, but it was so beautiful. And I was listening to all these different other pieces trying to go, what if there's something else out there that's not as difficult, but I couldn't take my mind away from the polar express it was so amazing i was like we've got to do it and people will go crazy for it as well because everyone knows the music from polar express and alan silvestri so yeah. and um and you have a halloween project coming out as well soon harry potter for brass band i see a couple people listening that are brass band folk uh, so yeah that's that's a super cool thing and um and back to the um choosing music it, it's it's wonderful to hear you talk about the the importance of uh even because I, I guess I talk to a lot of music teachers and professors because I am one, um, but we're always talking about diversifying our, our programming for our students. But it's so important for this as well. Um, and it, it's awesome to, to hear you talk about the importance of it for you. Um, one thing I, I want to point out, and you heard it here on audio first, folks. Well, she already announced it yesterday, but Polar Express is the next virtual concert band. So this is your chance to take part in a, a truly global community and, and have fun doing it. And so please uh, check out that. Oh, another thing I wanted to ask, will there ever be a virtual concert band like commissioning project? Because I think that would be just the coolest thing. I would love to have something commissioned for virtual concert band. At the moment, the idea of that still really terrifies me because <laughs> I feel like we're still so new. Like we, I started this in March, which actually is quite a while ago. But to me, it's so scary because I have no clue what the future holds and what next year is going to look like. I'm like, will people still want to be in the virtual concert band after the pandemic is over? I don't know. So it's very terrifying for me, but I would love to have a commission. May have mentioned that to Kate, that would be. <laughs> um, so it definitely is an option in the future. 
beautiful. And if, if people want to get involved with VCB, how would they do that? Uh, it'd be a great idea to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We're just virtual concert band. Um, we usually announce a week or so before we launch a new project. So for example, Polar Express is launching on our website this weekend, Saturday for most of the world, Sunday for Australia. Um, so you head to our website, virtualconcertband.com and you click join us and then you just find the instrument that you want to play. So you might say, okay, I want to play trumpet too. You choose trumpet too and then you get sent everything you need, the sheet music, the click track and the instructions. And then musicians have about three weeks to record their parts. And then I do all of the magic and edit it together. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Yeah. So if, if, if you're not doing it, guys, you should uh, join um, because this isn't, it's not like she takes a thousand people. There's, there's uh, only a certain amount of people that get, that can be involved in each project. So uh, if you haven't already, go check it out on, on the website and get registered and get your part and all that fun stuff. Um, and now I'm going to check my phone to see if we have any um, studio audience questions for Laura. Uh, I did see a couple things. I don't know if there's any questions. Rhonda from Florida is saying hi. Hi, Rhonda. Hi. And we also have hello from Philadelphia. That's Sherry. Wonderful. Rhonda just was telling us she plays clarinet and bass clarinet, which is great. And then that's a question for me. Do any of my students participate in VCB? I, I don't believe they do as of right now, but um, maybe I can make it part of their mark or something. <laughs> But thank you, Michael, for asking me that. Uh, Kate Nishimara, it makes me so happy to see this conversation. Worlds collide. But to some more people from Philadelphia, wonderful. Um, so, yeah. Well, if you think of any questions, maybe you can still write them to us and I can get them to Laura um, if, 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 I, if not now. But I just I want to thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Um, and it's, it's, it's so great. To, to meet you finally and talk to you. Um, and although we just met, um, you are, are such a wonderful, positive presence in the world. And I'm grateful for all of the work that you do with uh, Virtual Concert Band and, and with, with your social media platform and just being such an advocate um, for all things music, but all things just, you know, self-care, all of those really important things. It's, it's so great. Uh, and I'm so grateful to, to hear your voice and to see the things you're doing. So thank you so much, Laura, for all that you do. Thank you so much for having me. And I want to remind everyone, well, not remind, maybe you don't know, but next week on Monday, November 2nd at 7 p.m., same time, um, Eastern time, uh, I'll be joined by my good friend, uh, Nicholas Godso, who is the manager of programs for Music Counts, which is Canada's education charity. And we'll be speaking about all, th all the wonderful programs that they have. They have a lot of grants and awards for music educators and um, things that you can get for your, your music program as well. Um, so if you're a music teacher in Canada, especially, um, please pop in uh, next week. So thanks again, Laura, for doing this. And I hope that everyone has a wonderful night. So thanks again for stopping by the band. Thanks so much for spending time with us in the band room today. If you want to learn more about anything that we discussed in the episode, check out the links found in the episode description wherever you listened to this podcast. 
Also, why don't you check out bandroompod.com to learn more about the podcast. If you liked what you heard, make sure to subscribe to the Bandroom Podcast and give us a rating and a review. And tell your friends just how much you enjoyed listening. If you really love the show, maybe you should consider donating to our GoFundMe page or buy some sweet, sweet BRP swag, helping to offset podcast hosting costs and investments into new equipment so that we can continue to bring you great content and great people. Follow us on our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube to keep up with what is on the go and if you have thoughts on today's episode, leave us a comment on our website, bandroompod.com, or even cooler, leave me a voicemail on our hosting website, anchor.fm slash bandroompod slash message, where your voicemail might, just might, be featured in a future episode of BRP. Stay safe and be well, bandies. Thanks again for stopping by the bandroom. <laughs>